we're going to be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, they're realistically here. Nobody's going to give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. For now, you're just some pair of videos like everyone else. So <laughs> <laughs> we just go into it? I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing? How's oh, it all going? I'm all right. Yes, it's nice to be back. I feel yeah, like we've, we've had we've had a little bit of a break again, haven't we? We've been uh, we've been busy busy boys, haven't we? Yeah. Or or is it just like we're getting a little bit old, a little bit less able to kind of. Uh, put the energy in we're like sort of two pen, two pensioners who keep saying oh we must we must meet up and have that game of drafts i'd yeah. love to see it and and then we don't quite manage it but we're, we're here today we're here we're today here, we're here today episode 16 what have you been up to recently oh well i'm sort of back on my dock a bit actually after a sort of extended time of kind of uh paying for the uh let's describe it as a, a forced three months holiday over yeah. the summer period of yeah. our lo- lockdown of, of literally zero work. So I did what a lot of freelancers are doing at the moment is basically say absolutely yes to absolutely everything. And, you know, I'm now back on, uh, with a little bit more sort of headspace and time on my hands so I can work on the documentary a little bit more. But uh, what, what about you, mate? What about um, you? Yeah, it's been good. I, I went to my first socially distanced uh, film screening the other night. So oh, how was that? It was it was weird, but it was nice. It was, you know, that little film I made with my boys going up to, to visit my mum and dad's and we did like yeah, a, yeah. We made that weird little sci-fi we mentioned We mentioned it on the last podcast, I believe. Yeah, so I, I just got linked by somebody, I can't remember who, on Facebook to some people who were looking for films shot in in, um, in lockdown. Yeah. And so I yeah. just stuck my film in and it got accepted and there it was there was a screening in, in, in Hackney in some kind of cafe somewhere oh. and it was fantastic. It was, I mean, I was a bit, a bit anxious about it, to be honest. Yeah, it was, yeah. You know, you don't, you know, we don't kind of venture out that much anymore. And now it looks like, you know, the prospect of a, of a, of another lockdown looming. I was kind of a bit w- weirded out about how it was going to work, but yeah. in a way it was quite n- nice and pleasant and hopeful Mm. Uh, if we got, you know, with regards to safe public screenings and and film watching and cinema in general, um, but it was weird. We, we kind of, I kind of got there with my mask on, and you know, we had to go. I had to go up and say some bits and got asked questions at the end, just not very loud, and and don't sort of spit in the audience while you no, do it. Yeah, and see, I had to take my mask off for that, and and it because my mask is. I don't know how good it is at keeping Corona out, but it's very good at keeping my voice in. It literally, I'm, <laughs> I can, nobody can hear me when I'm wearing it. I'm sh- I'm constantly shouting at people in shops over the counter because they can't hear a word I'm saying. Yeah. 
and it's like screaming into a pillow or something. So <laughs> I thought there's no way I can do a Q&A with this thing on my face. And weirdly, everyone started taking their masks off during the screening. So it all became a little bit like the uh, the ceremony where there was a super spreading event uh, with with Trump and the, uh, the new <laughs> chief justice where everybody was just sort of sitting around with no masks on by the end. I mean, everyone was very, very well distanced. Ultimately, it was great. It was great to kind of, um, you know, go yeah. and see the film and, and to... And to be screening stuff again which is it's been a long it's been a long time and obviously now you've had uh, 14 days out isolation as, as a result <laughs> of this I went to the cinema. I, I've, I gave you a text the other day, didn't I? About oh, going to I was see gutted. IMAX. As far as I'm concerned, the only actual film that's been on the entire summer, not that I've been to a theatre film at the cinema, has been Tenet. The Tenet, um, yeah. The the Christopher Nolan films. How was that? It was it was brilliant. It was kind of exactly kind of as you might imagine. It was a bit of a ride. Uh, yeah. To be honest, it was supposed to be for Elvie's birthday, but Elvie was sick. My my eleven year old, so he. Oh. Um, he dropped out. So just me and Joe went, my 13-year-old, and he absolutely loved it. And I was a yeah. bit, I wasn't sure how it was going to work with him. I have shown them uh, one Nolan film before, and it was um, The Prestige. Oh, uh, we, yeah. We watched that. And that worked because we were watching it at home on DVD, and I kind of guided them along and nudged them in terms of what kind of was going on and what was happening. And they got so you told they, them. You told them in the first five minutes that he's got a twin brother. Yeah, yeah well, I, got, I kind of nudged and hinted towards it, and and they really really loved it. But I did, I didn't know how it was going to work in a cinema environment, you know, because yeah. I thought, and I basically just said to Joe, look. You're, you're, it's going to be confusing and complicated. You might not get it, but um, it's going to be loads of great action and you're going to absolutely love it. Yeah, and, and I won't he, get it either. Yeah, <laughs> I won't get it either. And funny enough, he ended up getting it more than me. I'm pretty ah, sure. He right. really he really kind of got the concepts and, you know, he was telling me, oh, you know, I study philosophy at school and I love that subject and it was like this. And he, he kind of likened it to lots of stuff he'd been learning about. But I, it's brilliant because, you know, you, you know that... Christopher Nolan's made this for IMAX. So yeah, going yeah, to see yeah. it in the IMAX theatre, it just feels it's tailor-made, isn't it? Oh, it's good to hear that people are getting back in the cinema again. I can, I can yeah. almost not really remember what it was like. You know, it's, such a, it's been such a long time. I think my, um, my last IMAX experience was again seeing a um, Christopher Nolan movie and I saw The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember there was something so impressive about the the moments where it went IMAX because of course not the entire film was IMAX. They've shot more on IMAX in this film. I, I yeah. was I was definitely aware that there was more in, in, in the IMAX format, mm. uh, but it is just impressive to see stuff on that scale because my last film at the IMAX was was Dunkirk. So so yeah, yeah mine was an, an Olin film too. And the impressive thing is also knowing that everything is kind of done for real and there's no green screen shenanigans going yeah. on. Yeah. Just seeing something on that scale and and you know, and uh you know a you know, a, a jumbo jet crashing into a building and picking up cars along the way off the tarmac. You just know it's all happening for real. Those stunts, you know, those stunts are just incredible. Tough time for for cinemas and what have you, though, huh? I mean, goodness me. I know. It's, it's, we suddenly realise the world is divided in, in some kind of half that... Um, 
you know, some industries can continue on fantastically. And I think it was today I was reading about how uh, the likes of Amazon, Facebook, uh, Netflix, they've, they've, you know, tripled their profits in the past six months. So all of the money has gone that way that, you know, these sort of mm. uh, industries that are screen based and home screen based. And then uh, they're shutting down chains of cinemas, left, right and centre, theatres. It's a really tough time yeah. for, for a lot of sectors. Cinema, going to the cinema for, for me felt very safe. It's very, it's very well organised. And even as you leave, you kind of leave in row. You, you, you stay for the whole credits and then you, you leave row by row. Yeah. And also when you're sat there, it's not like a, a bar or a restaurant. Once you're sat there, you really are in your seat, unless you're nipping off to the loo or anything. You really are in your seat for the duration, not milling around and moving around. And, and they space you, obviously. They give you lots of space around your seats. It's only certain seats that are, yeah. are, are saleable. So um, it kind of felt very safe to me. Yeah, safer yeah. than a lot of other experiences we have you know, day to day. Yeah, safe, safer than your uh, Q and A at the uh, little talk than, that you went to. Safer we than took my... your mask off and started telling loud jokes and and uh, blowing raspberries at everybody. Yeah, yeah, much much safer than that. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. I mean, one of the things that's been sort of buzzing around my head because I'm working on my documentary again is kind of structuring stories and um, yeah. I don't know I don't know if you have any sort of particular techniques when you're writing because obviously you're kind of you've done uh, you've been quite kind of prolific recently sort of knocking uh, feature strips out and the likes and and uh, I mean do you have any sort of techniques or or thoughts I mean we've obviously talked about the books those books mm. that say uh, you know at page 24 you must have a, f a fight scene and at page yeah. 40 but 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 you know that sort of thing aside, as in you know the kind of cookie cutter approach to kind of actually creating a story. Do you have ways of when you've got a story in your head, kind of uh, mapping that out and kind of working out how it should flow? Um, I, I mean, I take uh, I take a hell of a lot of notes to start with, and just you know, to, and, and um, handwritten notes. I just fill a book with like. Uh, scenes and possible scenes and maybe some dialogue and character notes and stuff and then from there I do I, I do cards so mm. you know little little reference cards that you you know the six by four cards and you can still buy in the stationers um I mean oh, I, th yes. I think that I mean when the, when the, old school that way yeah old yeah school. yeah I mean they're slightly obsolete bits of stationery and you know they're used for reference or you can drop into a rolodex or or reference uh their drawers or what yeah. have you but 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 they're great for screenplay writing because they mean you can just literally each card can be a scene mm. uh and it keeps your structure very fluid for uh, during the process of the, the early stages of writing your screenplay because it means you can just have all your cards out on the table and you can you know if you suddenly want to swap scenes around or you know bring the second act climax right to the front maybe start with that you know just try things out you can just push and pull the scenes around and mm. so nothing is kind of nailed down uh until it really needs to be and then from there once you've got an order that you're quite happy with then you can move on to start writing yeah you know, or mm. typing typing it into a screenplay format and so you don't use i mean do you stick all of that on your wall somewhere or where what do you do with it I kind of have them as a stack and then I kind of, you know, get them out and I move them around on a table. I know there's, there's digital, I think actually for on routine, I did it because a lot of the screenwriting softwares now have digital versions of 
Oh uh, yeah, cards, okay. uh, you know, structuring card and card layouts. But I still quite like the physicality of just it being a pack of cards that you, you know, a stack of cards that you then can lay out and push around. But I do, but when I'm kind of pinning them, I do have a board that I kind of pin them to as well. So I can kind of see them all at, all at once. Yeah, I mean, because I often think there's a, there's a zillion and one software solutions for a lot of these things, but then you yeah. think, I'm actually going to spend more time uh, learning a new piece of software, which seems to be suggesting it's going to save you a bunch of time. Yeah. But then you'll kind of go, oh, look, I can make all of my cards uh, all kind of purple pol called polka dots. And, yeah. uh, oh, look, these ones, I can drop video clips. Oh, hang on a minute, I've got to find some video clips now. Is it yeah. in a certain amount of it that it's kind of, <laughs> it actually becomes a distraction because it's kind of, it's too feature rich. It's sort of, we yeah. need the simplicity of just like ideas, you know I mean? I listened to a um, David Lynch, the God uh, David Lynch uh, mm -hmm. interview recently and, and uh, it was somebody, it's, I think it's on YouTube. I'm sure we can link link to it, um, you know, uh, through the, the, the Facebook group. Um, and this this uh, interviewer, who was, was really very nice, um, was kind of pushing him to kind of talk about his creative process. And, mm. um, uh, and you know, she was kind of saying, oh, you know, you, you, do you do mind maps? And yeah. do, you, do you use any special software? And he, and he just says, no, I write it down. If I have an idea, this is my bad David Lynch impression. By the way. It's very um, good. If I, David, is it good? If I have a, if I have a, if I have an idea, I write it down, and then I look back at that, and it, it reminds me of the idea. And I thought that's kind of all you need. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> what you need, I right? Think, I think you shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't complicate it in, with technology. I try and keep it analog for as long as I possibly can. So all yeah. my notes are in books. And, and often what I'll do as well, I'll write a first, I'll write a pre-first draft, which is literally ha a handwritten draft. So yeah. it's, it's, it's it, wow. I, I'll, I'll literally get a big kind of A4 line book and just, you know, and it's a hundred and so pages or what have you. That, that'll be the first draft essentially of the screenplay will be in handwritten in that book. Yeah. And then from there I'll, you know, and that'll be that'll probably come from the cards. It go into the book handwritten, and then from handwritten, it will become the first type draft. Yeah, they love you in that stationer's shop, don't they? they oh, yeah, this is the yeah. only this is the only dude in North London who still comes in <laughs> and buys an A4 lined book. <laughs> oh, it's him again! Thank goodness we can pay the bills uh, for one more week. Oh, he's, right, he's writing another script. Brilliant. He's got a, he's got some more creative ideas. Buy all week. that dusty crap we can't sell. Yeah. Come on, this this is the one that we had on. Uh, this was one that was featured on Tomorrow's World in 1975. Look, you can have this one. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm not quite as analog as you. I I kind of aspire to be, but often what happens with notebooks is um, I kind of leave them somewhere, or I kind of think, yeah. oh, I didn't take my notebook out today, so I'll just start in this other notebook, and then I kind of think, oh, it's such a hassle to merge notebooks. Yes. Um, so I do I do use notebooks quite a lot for idea jotting. Mm. Um, but actually, I spend so much of my time in front of basically this computer yeah. that I'm sat in front of that I do um, find that it's just, it's probably just a little bit easier to to uh, do my idea bashing on, on it. Yeah. And, I, and actually, my uh, I sent you a little uh, screen grab, didn't I? Uh, what I'm doing at the moment, and it feels very, um, it's kind of the, the, the closest you get to analog with a, a computer. I've just been using stickies. Yeah. Sticky. It's so I, I like kind of. I it. it was great. Well, it, 
it's so um, kind of old Mac. It's like yeah. my first ever Mac, you know, the one that was the probably the first colour one, uh, had stickies on it. And it was kind of, it felt so, it was almost like retro. So yeah. I've just been using stickies. You can have all of your sort of chapters put into rows relatively uh simply and then i can color up other things that means that oh this is um some ideas for some shots it's it's not yeah. like a it's not like a particular scene or a particular story branch it's just ideas for shots and i'll I'll change that to a different color and the the other good thing about it is it's rather than an app that you have to open up and kind of pay attention to if you just leave them leave them open, they're kind of always on your desktop. So it feels yeah. like, in a way, it's like every time I move away from my email or from uh, editing or whatever, they're sort of sat there and it reminds me, oh, yeah, yeah, shit, I haven't really thought about this section. And, and I can That's kind of... That's quite a good tip, yeah. Yeah, and I can sort of just copy and paste the odd kind of link into it, and but it, but you know, it's not very feature rich. It's kind of pretty analog, and in a way, I kind of almost <laughs> prefer it for that. And and I, what the other thing is, what I hate to admit now mm. is that I can actually type faster than I can write by a long yeah. stretch. So my typing is actually my brain to to screen connection is probably better than my brain to hand writing oh connection. God. You're so millennial. I am. I'm I'm digital native, <laughs> just a bit older than most. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about plot, uh, mm. I, I kind of found on the internet a uh, electronic plot generator oh. for writing your screenplay, and I oh. thought maybe we could have a little play on it. Do you fancy coming up <laughs> okay. with the rustling up a little quick and uh, feature script, a feature film screenplay? Yeah, you could do it. I tell you what, you could you could probably like share the screen so we could even show this happening. This is oh, okay. well high tech now. Okay, can you see that? Oh, yes. Plot this is the high-tech world of plot generation. And maybe it's the future, Aaron. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe we won't need our cards anymore. Yeah. Maybe the well, stationers of the world will go out of business because all you need is this plot generator. So, okay. so, here, so here, what kind of story do you want to tell? Okay, well, I, maybe, I, maybe you, is, have you only got the choice of overcoming the monster? I it think it's like. stuck on overcoming the monster, which maybe there's some kind of zeitgeist algorithm built into this or something, and it's telling us that everybody wants to see overcoming the monster. So I think it's stuck on that. But okay, go so for it. What, what we can do, we can put in locations, but I thought it'd be fun if we just go to automatic suggestion from the plot. All right, generator. go on then, go on then. Let's okay, see so suggestion. location number one, let's press suggest. Suggest. It is, Miami Beach. It's okay. exotic already. Yeah. All right. Sounding it's big budget, good. though, but here we yeah. go. 
I wonder what kind of monster this is going to be. Some sort of coke dealer or something <laughs> on Miami Beach. <laughs> um, yeah, go on then. Okay, location number two. Yeah. The Natural History Museum. Okay, so it's pretty, the budget's gone up a bit. My The producer in me is already a bit concerned about this idea. So we're yeah. kind of globetrotting here, okay? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's suggested oh. the Natural History Museum again. <laughs> third location. It uh, obviously heard you about the budget, so it's very yeah, so intelligent, the, very so intelligent like, algorithm. Yeah, so all right, we'll, we'll make it. We'll make it only out of two international <laughs> places. Okay, the protagonist. Uh, okay, we are going to we're going to ask the electronic yeah. plot generator for uh, a suggestion. Suggest. Here. Go on, suggest. Professor Perfect. Tony Randall, male. Oh. Nice. Okay. Well, that's a bit too. That's a bit convenient that there's a professor in the Natural yeah. History Museum. You, I know. You, don't, you don't have a horrible feeling that this is kind of not that random. Maybe he could be from Miami Beach, and that's the twist. Okay. I don't know. Well, here we go. All right. The two adjectives to describe him. Let's go. Suggest number one. He is considerate. I think that says considerate. Yeah. yeah. Considerate. Okay. Adjective number two. Pretty boring. He's pain, patient. patient. He does sound dull, doesn't He's he? He's boring, isn't he? Should we, just, should, we just, should we just hit suggest again and see what happens? Because patient and considered does not sound like a, a kind of the lead from a character. <laughs> Let's go. Should, should we, we do his name as well? Because I'm not sure about Professor. Yeah, yeah. Professor Tony Wanker. Uh, oh, Professor oh, Kimberly Torrance. She's All right, okay, we've changed, changed the female. That's Bella. Uh, but, uh, she but, is caring and sympathetic. Oh, right, come gonna, on. It's gotta have something. We're gonna dull. have to add our own one in. Should we just put caring and pathetic? Well, let's go. I know. Let's <laughs> let's go with her job. Let's find out what her job is. I mean, professor. She must yeah, be. I mean, yeah, she's not gonna be a street sweeper, is she? She's a private she's detective. detective. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Professor Kimberly Torrance. Yeah. Uh, very caring and sympathetic. Private detective. Private detective. Okay. Okay. A sidekick, ready? Let's yep. suggest. Yep. Okay, go here we go. It. Her sidekick is called Mr. Mr. Harold Chen. Okay. All right. Well, we we're kind of getting an idea of where he's originally from. Let's suggest two adjectives to describe Mr. Harold Chen. He is articulate oh. and charming. Oh my okay. god, they're so boring, aren't they? Yeah. It's not exactly tenet, is it? Well, no, and I'm, you know, I've just been reading this book about how all characters have have to have a fatal flaw, and these people just seem too nice. They, yeah, they, they, Let, anyway. let's see what his job oh, is. Yeah, he's a fishmonger. He's a fishmonger. <laughs> <laughs> fishmonger, Mr. Harold oh, Chenley, articulate and charming. He's a fishmonger. very charming fishmonger. He just he basically charms people eat into oh, eating he char and he is so seafood. He's so articulate, he can pronounce every kind of fish really well. This mollusk is a native <laughs> of the Miami Beach area. <laughs> and aren't your eyes lovely? Oh, you've got uh, lovely eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he's oh, a very charming fishmonger. Two of those. Okay, very good. Okay, right, love, love interest. interest. I guess this is for Professor Kimberly Torrance. Let's okay. see who her love interest is. Yeah. Lady Ruth, oh, it's a it's a lesbian love story. Lady Excellent. Ruth Lakima. So we're okay. getting a bit more interesting now. It's getting a so bit she, more interesting. She's a lady as well. So I mean, as she's in, a lady, yeah. She's actually described as not not Miss or Ms. She's a Lady Ruth. So yeah. royalty. Do you okay. want to know? Uh, do you want to know uh, what what kind of uh, adjectives describe Lady Ruth Lakima? She is incredible. Yeah. That's a Jesus well, Christ. Okay, and, and caring. Oh, God, they're so boring. We're going to have to change some of these. She's incredible and caring, and her job is uh, she's a nurse. 
Lady Ruth Lakima is a nurse. <laughs> I'm sorry, she just isn't. Her name's Lady Ruth Lakima. Uh, she's obviously Lady of the Manor. Obviously, I mean, maybe the upkeep she's, of the manor is yeah. you know it's really really hard going to afford the upkeep. She's she's obviously she works for the NHS, doing a fantastic yep. job uh, to pay the bills on her manor, I guess her her mansion in the in or the may- country. Yeah, or maybe she's, you know, she's just sort of, because uh, of coronavirus, she's just decided to kind of help out a little bit. Yeah. She's, um, and so she thought, well, I'm incredibly caring. That's uh, two adjectives to, that she should describe <laughs> as. Uh, <laughs> so perhaps I should go and do, you know, a job like a nurse and help people with corona. Yeah, I think that's okay. probably the script. Yeah. Okay, so enemy, this might get interesting now. Here we go. Okay, go so on. ready. They've Let's suggest an enemy. Yeah. Mrs. Allison... Giant, giant balls, giant bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Allison, giant bulb. Okay. Okay. Um, two adjectives to describe old giant bulb is yeah, these, are, these are all she's be... wild. Wild. She's wild. Wild. And she is malicious. malicious. Oh, she sounds. Her job must characters... be something very, yeah. very sinister. What These do characters don't sound very three-dimensional to me, but no, anyway. They they don't. Let's I okay. Do you want to have a guess check, at what she might do? Check what her job is. I'm gonna say uh if she's wild and malicious and her name's Miss Giant Ball, she is something weird like a zookeeper. Zookeeper is a very good guess. Let's have a okay, look. Okay, let's have a look. Her she's an actor. Is... Oh god. Oh my okay. god. A wild malicious actor. Okay, well, type of monster. Here, here is the <laughs> where we get to the monster. So, what kind of monster? You said maybe drug dealer on Miami Beach. Yeah. See, I, uh, I think if we, I don't, we, we don't want to go into uh, kind of fantasy realm because it's Miami Beach Natural History Museum. So far, the character's been quite grounded in reality. I don't want to. It's a nurse and a, it's a fishmonger for God's sake. It's the yeah, sidekick. So, so I don't want to start adding, you know, fancy elements. So should we just take? Should, let's make decisions about these, and rather than get it suggested. Should we put in drug dealer? I, th- I think I think we should go full on with the electronic with the generator. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. go on then. Come on, I, 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 tr- I trust I trust the electronic plot generator here to come <laughs> well, up with something brilliant. No wonder, the, no wonder your scripts are the way they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. The monster is a lion. Okay, all right. At least it's not. At least it's a real creature. <laughs> Weapons that could be used to defeat the monster. Let's go. It's gonna a candlestick. <laughs> candlesticks, plural. Something two, precious. Two, two candlesticks. If you stick it up a lion's nose, it, oh, does, it, it does. It does give it a very bad headache. <laughs> something precious. Uh, it, obviously, the script needs something precious. It is yep. a talisman. Yeah, pretty standard, oh. pretty standard. An adjective to describe the precious object. Mystical. It's a mystical A mystical talisman. talisman, yeah. A vegetable. I don't know why it's asking for vegetable. Let's just do suggest button again, a turnip. Okay. Yeah. Protagonist's favourite type of sweet, chocolate, fruit, gums, etc. We're going to suggest, uh, the machine's going to suggest, it's wine gums. Right. A type of music. Suggest for us indie music. <laughs> indie music. A group of victims, plural. Okay, this is the victims for the monster, I'm guessing. We're going to press the suggest button. It's elderly 
Elderly gents. Elderly gents. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no, the lion's going to have a go at some elderly the gents. The lion eats elderly gentlemen. Oh. Something bad the monster might do to its victims, it was going to kill them. That's, kill. Pretty, well, that's that, pretty bad. That's, that's pretty fairly bad. usually uh, described as a bad thing. Yeah. Okay, so what's your pen name? Let's say we're going to say DIY Cinema Cult here. Yeah. We shouldn't really put our names to this script, but... Well, you've just you've just we've written just, just done it now. Write me a movie script. It's a you press a button saying write me a movie script. Here we go. Let's press the button. This is the future. Everybody. This is this is there are there are more uh, kind of smart versions of this actually happening in Hollywood currently as we speak. Here we go. Uh, Look, we've got we've got our script. Oh, Wild God. Lion, which is a good title. Uh, it's a called what? by DIY Cinema Cult. There you go, in black and white. So I think it's a couple of pages. It's not a feature, it's a couple of pages. Let's, we'll read the first page and maybe we'll okay, end on the I'll... cliffhanger and come back. All right, I'll be, I'll be Kimberly, you be Ruth. Okay. You can okay. read the stage directions. Okay, I'll do the stage directions. Okay, exterior, Miami Beach, afternoon. Caring private detective Professor Kimberly Torrance is arguing with articulate nurse Lady Ruth Blakeman. <laughs> Kimberly tries to hug Ruth, but she shakes her off. Please, Ruth, don't leave me. Ruth, I'm sorry, Kimberly, but I'm looking for somebody a bit more brave. Somebody who faces her fears head on instead of running away. I am such a person. Ruth frowns. Ruth, I'm sorry, Kimberly. I just don't feel excited by our relationship anymore. Ruth leaves. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, Kimberly sits down looking defeated. Moments later, incredible fishmonger, Harold <laughs> Shen, barges in looking flustered. Goodness, Harold, is everything okay? I'm afraid not. What is it? Don't keep me in suspense. It's a lion. I saw a lion kill a bunch of elderly gents. Defenceless elderly gents. <laughs> yes, defenceless elderly gents. This is brilliant Blo script. This is brilliant. Blooming heck, Harold, we've got to do something. I agree, but I wouldn't know where to start. Well, you can tell... I'm actually adding a few bits of uh, character here, which you probably... I'm going to stick to the script because it doesn't deserve it. You can start by telling me where this happened. I was... Harold fans himself and begins to wheeze. Fans? He fans himself. <laughs> focus, Harold, focus. Where did it happen? The Natural History Museum, London. That's right. Natural History Museum, London. Kimberly springs up and begins to run. The producer in me is already thinking, well, it's she's got to she's history. hang on, she's got to run from the Miami Beach to the Natural History Museum in London. It's a whip pan. It just yeah. they just whip from one location yeah. to the next. Exterior, a road, continuous. Kimberly rushes along the street, followed by Harold. They take a shortcut through some back gardens, jumping fences along the way. <laughs> Interior, Natural History Museum, shortly after. Alison Giant Bulb, a wild lion, terrorises. Is she caught? What? She's the baddie. Apparently, Alison Giant Bulb is now the actual baddie, the wild lion. 
Oh, oh right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. Alison Giant Bulb, a wild lion. That's a brilliant name for a lion. Uh, terrorizes <laughs> two elderly gents. Kimberly, closely followed by Harold, rushes towards Alison and suddenly stops in her tracks. What is, what is, is, <laughs> what's the matter? That's not just an, that's not just any old lion. That's Alison Giant Bulb. <laughs> Who's Alison Giant Bulb? Who's Alison Giant Bulb? Who's Alison Giant Bulb? That's, there is actually, they do actually say that twice. The second time is, is uh, italicised. Only the most wild lion in the universe. Blinking knickers, Kimberly. You're going to need some help if you're going to stop the most wild lion in the universe. You can say that again. Blinking knickers, Kimberly. You're going to need some help if you're going to... Oh, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> you're going to need some help if you're going to have to stop the most wild line in the universe. I'm going to need candlesticks. Lots <laughs> of candlesticks. Alison, Alison turns to see... Alison turns and sees Kimberly and Harold. She grins an evil grin. Alison. I'll, I'll be Alison. Okay, sorry. you be Alison, okay. Kimberly Torrance, we meet again. Very good. You've you've met Harold. You've met. Yes, it was a long, long time ago. Okay, should we leave it there? Is that the cliffhanger? Should we leave it there and then we'll kind of? I wouldn't exactly call it a cliffhanger, but I think we've certainly used up enough bandwidth uh, because <laughs> it looks like it just goes on and on. Oh, and... there is an end. There is an end, but I don't. Is there? I think we'll leave. Should we, should should we, we leave post it? the rest to the Facebook group? I mean, that was uh, fantastic. Beautiful. Um, I mean, uh, uh, thrilling, thrilling stuff. Um, it was sort of, I suppose what it does, is it sort of generates uh, melodrama, basically, doesn't it? it, it yeah. It's, it, it, it doesn't really create drama. It just creates the simulation of melodrama in some way or another. Yeah, it was, um, you know, s slightly disappointing, but fun. Um, <laughs> Which I don't know. I don't know. Possibly what would... listening to this podcast will be like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would tap in our, our routine characters into that to generate some scenes. I think no. I'll stick for the. I think I'll stick to the cards and the the notebooks. Thanks. It, well, it'll be interesting to see if any of our listeners can kind of get anything useful out of it. Because I mean, there's there's quite a lot of um, well, there's a lot of fear in the uh, the kind of I suppose the film community about how. Uh, that you know, plots and and uh, storylines have been so codified that actually it is not that far away for AI to uh, to do a pretty good stab mm. at um, making a script that we end up watching. And I know there's been some experiments recently, certainly with um, with music making, uh, yeah. you know, with machine learning and and um, you know, basically asking a kind of a, an AI or, or particularly using machine learning to just listen to a particular composer ad infinitum, listen to, a, you know, every possible piece of music and then feedback a kind of simulation of that, of that um, composer with pretty, you know, convincing results. But yeah. maybe scripts and stories have got, um, 
you know, a few extra layers of complexity before an AI could manage to do something like that. What do you think? Write me an, an Aaron Sorkin script or just write me a, yeah. <laughs> write yeah. me a Woody Allen film. <laughs> yeah. And well, based actually, on think... all the films they've made, you know, they'll give you a, sim- a simulation. Yeah, well, I mean, with Woody Allen, he, he's almost doing that himself now, isn't he? Yeah. It's, it's always the same thing. It's like place, uh, Paris, uh, person, uh, girl, uh, time of year, uh, winter, a uh, winter. Day. I mean, that's basically all of the Woody Allen films now, isn't it? And I mean, I'm sure he's still uh, they're amusing, but uh, well, he's a bit of he's a, he has a dark cloud hanging over him, doesn't he? He does. He, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> We've also been talking a little bit about locations, haven't we? Um, yeah, we have. We kind of threw it up on the Facebook uh, because we wanted to just kind of uh, find out about other people's location stories. I think what kind of started this off for me was that with, with Old Man, I, I had a location that was looking fantastic. And basically for Old Man, we need a, a kind of caravan park on the coast somewhere that kind of is kind of the setting for for most of the most of the story and I, and I found one which looked great and I was in contact with this guy a couple of months ago and he was so super excited about yeah, yeah. us filming there uh, to the point where he was like just saying look you know we'd love to hear hear more about the film and as long as you can take some production stills and you know or shooting you know shots of you shooting for us to use for the publicity and yeah and I was thinking great this is going to be fantastic and then about Three weeks ago, I, I emailed him again to say, you know, can I come along and do a recce and take some pictures and, and, and just you know, so we can help us make our final decision. And I got an email back. Well, I didn't get an email back straight away after maybe a week or so. And I followed it up and emailed him again. And it was funny. He went so quiet because he was so chatty on email for, for, for you know, a couple of weeks. Um, I got an email back from somebody else saying he's lost his job. Oh. and he doesn't work here anymore and we'll have to forward your you know email onto somebody else and i thought shit after doing oh. all that great groundwork i'm thinking oh we're like best mates now he mm. wants to help us out he's going to really kind of bend over backwards to to make it fine for us to shoot in his in his caravan park he'd lost his job as the the, the camp manager so, so, so now oh. i'm talking to this other woman uh, and it, it, we might be back on track now uh, but then it turns out that she's going to be passing over her job to somebody else. I think it's just this whole COVID uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's making things very uncertain, and it's obviously making it uncertain for us to be able to lock down locations as well. Um, so, if you yeah, excuse, excuse the pun, the lockdown pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse the pun, exactly. So, I'd be interested to hear what listeners think as well. Are, are you trying to set up shoots now? Are you having real difficulty? What's interesting now is that all of the casting companies are now um, trying to, you know, model agencies and the like, trying to kind yeah. of um, offer you people that, that are within bubbles. So right. you can you can, um, you can can get kind of uh, couples or family members to sort of, um, to be, you know, extras and the like. So that kind of obviously cuts down a certain element of sort of, of concern. Um, but, but even if not, what you have to do is to sort of send out a form in advance. Everybody has to fill in that form saying that they've not come into contact with anything that they've, um, that they've, uh, 
not feeling any symptoms. And when they arrive, they need a mask on, you need your hand sanitizer and the production assistant or whomever is there to sort of remind people throughout the day not to get too close, that the windows have got to be open. Everyone gets their food in separate boxes. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, there's it definitely a few, um, few, you know, rightfully so few hoops to sort of jump through um and uh, i think it's i think it's even i mean it's very very uh challenging on the big shoots and they have dedicated covid officers who've done um you know weekend uh courses uh and on the some of the big dramas they've got 20 30 people just looking after the covid stuff so you can imagine the budgets have all got to have gone up but of course, at the, at the moment, actually, budgets are shrinking, so it's yeah. putting the squeeze on even the big productions. There's a lot of boxes that you that you do have to tick. Yeah, I was speaking to to Rami, uh, our mate who might who might be shooting. Um, old man, he's working yeah. on a production at the moment, and he says, I mean, he's been out of work for months and months, like a lot of like a film technicians and yeah. workers, and um, he he's so happy to be back on a production but he says you know it is it's run it's a very it's almost like a military operation he yeah. get, he, he gets a covid test once a week wow uh, which is fantastic because that you can't get you can't you know you it's can't they're get so hard to come by yeah otherwise yeah. uh so they get a covid test once a week they get their temperature taken twice a day well it would be tough to make it to shoot a kind of guerrilla style indie film like we would potentially be making a film we threw up the question about locations to the facebook page and we got some very very uh entertaining oh you got some answers. amazing stuff yeah yeah Stephen sure. Stephen gray had some incredible stories about uh you know i, I kind of just said what your kind of location nightmares because i thought the word nightmares w- would kind of spark yeah people throwing up some answers and and, St- and Stephen just had some incredible incredible ones read about some it. out read some out well i'm looking here he was like we i mean he, there were so many of them but he said well one of them was being blindfolded by hamas fighters in gaza strip and <laughs> the car and being driven to a secret location uh you know things like that and kelly king as well you know saying bundled into a jeep at assault rifle point in congo I thought, my God, this sounds way worse than anything we've experienced in our film. <laughs> yeah, I spent, you know, a couple of days. I remember my feet getting very cold on location <laughs> once, and the um, and the uh, wardrobe person uh, lending me some cowboy boots. Uh, they were... <laughs> you are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. I do, I do. I did want to tell that one story of the, when we were shooting Mother. Oh yeah! Oh and, God, uh, God, go on then. Am I allowed to tell that story? So go it was, on then. It was basically uh, me and Aaron shot a film called Mother a couple of years ago now, starring um, National Treasure Miriam Margulies, and um, yep. we were in, we were shooting in the producer's parents' house, lovely yep. big house in in, in Kilburn, North London. Yep. Um, we were setting up for our, our morning shot, the first shot of the day. And Aaron had to nip to the loo, as you do. You know, you have to kind of, uh, you know, you, you, your morning. Early start, a lot of instant st- coffee. Exactly, you know. exactly. So Aaron nipped to the loo and it was the, the downstairs loo. And it wasn't as peaceful as you kind of had hoped for because within minutes of you going in, into the toilet, um, Miriam Margulies was banging on the door asking when you were going to get out yeah. <laughs> well i was in the middle of you know the most delicate of maneuvers as you would imagine and uh, it was taking its time it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a quick pit stop should we say and uh, the somewhat terrifying voice and bashing fist 
of Miriam Margulies against the door saying, are you all right in there? Are you having a shit? Are you having a shit? Open a window. Yeah. If you're having a shit, open the window. And a uh, voice is not, she doesn't no. have many grades of quietness in her volume. Off voice or volume. on, exactly. It's off and, or on. And so yeah. the whole crew was just being kind of quite entertained by Miriam yeah. kind of demanding you to make certain allowances for your yeah hurrying hurrying me up through the most delicate of moments uh and i mean you know let's face it if if anyone was going to hurry you up you want to hurry up when she starts shouting you 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 hurry up but it's not an easy thing to hurry up with grace uh so it was yeah it was a little bit and because we hadn't started turning over yet you know i hadn't even had a chance to establish my first ad tough guy kind of face so uh so you know i i, I hadn't kind of established the, the fact that you know i was in charge of the, no. the set or anything yet so i'd already been shouted down oh, by, by God. star and uh, had to um should we say uh quickly vacate the toilet with my tail between my legs <laughs> well hopefully not but no, not literally <laughs> hopefully you flushed it <laughs> 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 but it was when it was uh, when you, it was when you came out that made me laugh because you know uh, no, no sooner had your the door open the Miriam was in there like a like a ferret because she was yeah. obviously needed to go as well needed something similar and, yeah uh, and, you, and you just came out going oh not exactly the most relaxing shit I've ever had. <laughs> Have you ever shot in any kind of big uh, studios? Because because when I was a, a runner doing on TV commercials, we used to shoot a lot at like Pinewood and Shepparton. And I used to love those places because they were such exciting. Mm. You know, when you imagine being involved in, the movie. in, in film and, and the movie business, yeah, you kind of imagine those places. Whenever I was on my lunch break shooting whatever commercial it happened to be, I'd, I'd always do a little stroll around. I do remember going to Leavesden once for a, a commercial shoot, the place that isn't, that's the place that's now the Warner Brothers, you know, the Harry Potter. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Exhibition, although, although it is still a, uh, a working, working studio, film studio well. too. Mm. When I first went to Leavesden, it was years and years ago and I was working on some TV commercial and uh, running again. And I kind of, I, I went for a little walk around and it is just, before it got developed into the uh, the Warner Brothers, the Harry Potter thing, it is just a cavernous. I, I think it used to be a, a Rolls Royce engine uh, factory, mm. so it's these huge cavernous rooms uh, that were all kind of connected. Um, that weren't purpose built. They're not purpose built studios. They're just very large spaces, yeah, uh, yeah. interiors. And it's funny because you'd walk around and there'd be, when I was there, they were empty. There was nothing going on, but they were kind of, they're being used as storage for like in the corner, you'd see like a huge Star Wars ship or vehicle. And mm. in the other corner, there'd be something from Batman or something. And they were just being stashed there while they figured out what the hell they were going to do with them or why yeah. they were going to get shipped to some kind of movie museum or what have you. The, the sad thing about it is often after a big sort of uh, film shoots they just have to destroy the uh, props don't they and the, the yeah, sets they do. but i think there is some legal reason why they have to actually i, I think there them. is 
Yeah, I think there is. And I think it's contractual. It's written in that they have to be destroyed at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. I think in some contracts, and I, I know, I know this because my, um, my mate, Chris, um, who is uh, an animator, avid model builder. He's very into like, he builds incredible oh, yeah. sets and, you know, Amazing and, stuff. You know and, and, and models for his animations. So at his heart, that's what he loves to do. He loves to build these things. And mm. he once got a job when shortly after we left uni, he got a summer job where he was basically stood in a skip in Shepparton, just smashing the shit out of ships from um, Lost in Space. Oh. And he, he just had a hammer and, 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 a, and a whatever he had, and he was just smashing the crap out of these huge, very yeah. beautifully detailed, intricate ships that he just had, and he broke his heart. You know, just walking the streets of London these days, mm. and you realise how many places are just completely shut and shut yeah. it up so a pub yeah. we used to often meet in fact when we were sort of forging the idea of doing a podcast yes we would meet we would meet at the the old dairy a pub that's sort of nearby to us it's still closed yeah and, and again there's this cavernous fantastic space inside that's being entirely uh unloved and unused and you just think that is london going to become this big sort of you know uh, well, for, for the foreseeable future, this big museum of potential fantastic film locations, but yeah. without the ability to actually go in and film in any of them because it's such a such a restrictive environment to uh, shoot any indie films at the moment. Could we shoot a sort of movie that's uh, done in, a, in an empty, derelict post-covid location in some we'd way. be freezing in there wouldn't we we'd, we'd be absolutely all the heating would be off we're yeah. getting into the winter months now it's true but then it would at least be a slightly more impressive story for the facebook group than <laughs> me getting shouted at by <laughs> margulez about speeding up my shit <laughs> <laughs> i do i do remember there was this one time i think i've told you this story before about when when i was running on those tv commercials and i got a call at, um on a sunday morning from one of the producers and he said to me um what are you doing right now and i think i'd woken up it was but you know i was in my early 20s i was very hungover i woke up on my mate's floor or what have you so I couldn't obviously tell him and he went, are you busy today? And I was kind of going, oh, well, it's, you know, um, it's family dinner, you know, it's gonna, it's very important. I go, I can't, cause I knew he was angling for me to do something work something related. Horrible. Yeah. 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 And he went to me, uh, oh, you've got to, uh, we need somebody to, to take a lens to a film set in Barcelona <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I went, oh, it's fine. It's only a family dinner. I'm there. No problem at all. And he said to me, uh, he said, right, go back. He goes, where are you? And I said, I'm at my friends. And he goes, right, go back to your house right now. We're sending a car. Oh, no, that was it. First, first a car's going to arrive at your house. It's going to drop off the lens. Then uh, and the second car's going to come half an hour after that. It's going to take to the airport and there's tickets at the airport and you're going to Barcelona to drop this. <laughs> lens off and I was like oh my god I felt like I was in a spy movie I could have been a drugs mule quite easily <laughs> but I suddenly felt like I was James Bond and I yeah. ran back home and the lens came and then a, then a car came and it was the weirdest weirdest day because the guy driving the cab uh, was 
just chatting to me and he seemed like not your usual kind of cab driver. He was very kind of upper middle class, uh, older guy. Yeah. And he said, he was asking me what I was doing. I said, I was delivering lens to a, f- a film set in, you know, in Spain. And, and he said to me, oh, I used to be involved in, in the film industry. Mm. And I was like, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I was actually, and I was actually, one of my best friends was Oliver Reed. And I was <laughs> like, really? And I didn't believe a word he said. And he goes, yeah, Oliver Reed, he, he, I used to spend loads of time around his house. And he, do you know, he had a vomitarium in his house. I was going, what's a vomitarium? He goes, it's like a, this big kind of fountain. The Romans used to have it continuing continuously kind of you know flowing fountain in which he could just vomit into if he it was just like it was like drainage you know it was like a you know it was like a constantly <laughs> in motion b day and he had one in the middle of his house uh just he's just pissing it he would just vomit into it and blah 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 and i didn't think this guy was telling the truth at all and i was kind of fobbing him off and it wasn't until oliver he died a couple of years later that he turned up on the documentaries he was one of the interviewees oh. So oh he was telling God. the truth. So oh. anyway, so I was getting driven to the airport by Oliver Reed's best mate. Yeah. And then, uh, so I get to the airport, find the ticket and everything, go to the shoe. And it was a, it was like a uh, Walker's crisps ad. It wasn't the most glamorous oh thing. Oh my but, God. But this it, is but, how rock and roll the film industry used to be. Yeah. So I was being, being flown around the world for, for bloody Walker's crisps. Anyway, it was, we were filming at the, at the Barcelona stadium and it was um, the reason why it was all a bit stressy was because uh, there was, do you remember the Brazilian footballer Romario? Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, yeah. I, I think he played for like, I think he was playing for Barcelona. Barcelona. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was like the kind of star of the ad. And uh, anyway, so uh, it was the only, it was the one day of the year that he get Romario so I get there, I do the lens thing, and they say, look, you might as well stay for the day, uh, and then you're going to leave tonight, and you're going to take all the rushes of, for the day. And I was like, fine. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. Yeah, and it was all shot on film, so it was a stack of film cans all gaffer taped together. And as I was getting in the ca- in the cab to drive me to the airport, um, uh, I dropped the film cans, and, oh. they, and they hit the pavement, the corner of the pavement, uh, it, was so, it was such a loud clang that the, the, all the kind of crew turned around and I was getting in the cab. Anyway, I just bundled the, the, the tins <laughs> into, into the cab and I just said, right, take me to the airport. And I tipped the, t- the cans up and I looked at the bottom tin and it was so dented <gasps> right on the corner where the sprockets would be. And I just knew, I just knew that I must have fucked up probably Romario's close up. It just had to be. And I had the worst panic attack, as you do when you're kind of a runner on big film shoots, because you always kind of tend to, you've got the weight of the world in your shoulders when anything goes wrong. And I just sweated all the way home through uh, through the flight. Uh, I got to um, Air Soho Images, as it was back then, one of the, the the Soho labs. And I just, when I gave over to the guy on the desk, I said, look, uh, hands up. I just want to say, look, this is this was me and this it, it, i can sign anything you want to say you know this was this was the condition they were in when i handed them over blah 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 and the bloke just goes oh i've seen loads worse and i was like you what <laughs> and he goes yeah these fall off the back of bikes all the time this is fine and i was like mate i could have, i could have done with a phone call with you about oh. three hours ago because i've been shitting it for the longest <laughs> longest time <laughs> 
Oh my oh, god! Oh dear! Oh dear! I do remember calling up for the next day to the to the lab, saying, "Is everything okay with the shots?" You know, secretly, yeah. so my producers didn't hear me. But um, yeah, oh. luckily I, I I got away with that, but not without losing a couple of years of my life. I do remember there was lots of urban legends like there was a runner who <clears throat> was told to drop a bunch of film cans to a lab somewhere in Soho again and he couldn't find the lab and he panicked and so he was too scared to go back and say that he didn't know where the lab was so he just threw them in the skip and went home <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how true that is but it, it could be true because I do kind of do weird weird things back then when it was all kind of film yeah. cans because I guess with just the film, when it was filmed, there was just that really kind of heightened value of everything. Yeah, well. there's only one of them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there was, there's yeah. no backups. There's no DIT. There's that's, that's it. it. That and it hasn't even been, been developed yet. It's a physical thing, mm. you know. Ah, oh, the Soho days when we used to be kind of mincing around Soho, drunk yeah. with a couple of dandies, and then every now and again just on a shoot yeah. somewhere, exciting. Yeah. And but we're the D we're DIY filmmakers now, so we have to just make are. film in whatever way is possible so we're gonna make our right soho's a state of mind it's in that's us it. we are soho this is soho yeah it's, i am soho we are all soho <laughs> we're all soho we're all soho <laughs> uh, if anybody does have anything that they'd particularly like us to focus on i think often yeah. um It'd be nice to kind of get an idea of what we, you know, what sorts of things that you'd like to chat uh, us to chat about, and also maybe chat to, and any suggestions of people that we might um, want to get in touch with. Then uh, feel free to fire us over some stuff. Absolutely, that sounds yeah. like a plan. That sounds yeah. like a plan. Face ache, lovely. Yes. All right, and sayonara. See you later, <laughs> listeners. Good night, listeners. Love you. I'll be the same. us on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com